You are listening to Jai Long and this is Make Your Break, episode 114. Hey, I have a very cool interview for you today. It's actually myself being interviewed by one of my staff members, Siraj. So I'd love to tell you a little story about Siraj. I am a big advocate for people making their own opportunities, making their own break, all that kind of stuff. And Siraj actually joined the Six Figure Business Map back in January 2021. And since then, he's very active in the group, very active in Facebook, on Instagram, everywhere else. And he wrote me an email one day and he was just asking about, hey, what's the chances of coming down, meeting you and um, just checking out the studio space and having a bit of a chat? So um, I replied to him saying, yeah, man, come down, let's do this. And he came in and he basically pitched to me how I could improve my business and what he could bring, what value he could bring to me and um, how he would want to work with us, right? And I thought that was so courageous. Like someone is come out and is, you know, it's not actually very often that people actually come to me and ask me for a job. It's actually pretty rare, surprisingly rare. So when this guy came into my office and he gave me a few good ideas, but I was listening to the way that he was speaking and how just seeing how ambitious this guy in front of me was and how he wanted he wanted to change his life, you know, he wanted to get out of the job that he had at that moment and he wanted to get into more of a creative space and he was ready for some growth. And I thought, you know what, like I need more people like him on my team, bringing that good energy and making their own break and making their own opportunities. And so I offered him a job and said, man, I'd love to have you as another videographer to work for me on the Jai Long Co team. And what's interesting is I wasn't really looking for another videographer and I don't know if I can afford another videographer or anything like that either. And I think when opportunities come that way, I always think about like, I don't want to hold my business back. I don't want to be the funnel or the bottleneck that stops my business from growing because I stop opportunities because of things like maybe I can't afford it or maybe I don't need it and things like that. But I kind of seen this as a sign as like, this is bigger than myself. This is someone that needs an opportunity because they're asking for it. And who am I to stop people, right? I've been given so many amazing opportunities throughout my life by so many people that have taken a chance on me. And so it's my way to give back to people that come out and um, put themselves out on a limb like he did. So I was very impressed. And I'm needless to say, it's been six weeks now that he's been working for us. And um, he's been a great part of the team. The team's growing. We also have another member, Taylor joined this week as well. And um, yeah, the team's growing and it's really fun to have a step out, I guess, of like full-time wedding photography where it's just basically myself and Morgan and step more into the educational space and taking this more serious, taking this more full-time because I know so many people, we always say like, we want to learn from someone that's full-time in their field, right? So a full-time wedding photographer. But what I realized is people say that, but they don't actually want that. They want a full-time coach. So someone that can actually dedicate time to them and their business and less about the coach and, and the coach's business. So without even realizing it, it's it's really what it is that we want. And I know for myself, it's what I want when I get a coach. I don't want a coach that's like full-time doing what they're doing. I want someone that's dedicated to my results, my success. And because I've been thinking about that more, I've been hiring more people in my business to make sure that we have all those resources. So we have Mel, which is a full-time copywriter and coach, and she's inside the course. 
full-time. We have Morgan and Siraj and they both do video and they're doing events and, and other things. And then we have Taylor full-time as well. So she is our customer happiness person, manager, and she's going to be doing all my PA tasks and looking after everybody inside the course to make sure that you know things happen as quick as possible. So it frees me up as well to put more time into my course, more time into my students and more time into their results instead of me doing admin work and doing things that I shouldn't be doing and doing the things that I need to be doing for the people that believe in myself and the business. So real interesting. Um, I guess I'm just reflecting on this a little bit, but it's interesting how things are changing a little bit. And I think it's really feels like a right move for me to step into this role and to um, help people get more success. Because right now, the community doesn't need to see more wedding photos from me, but they need to see more support for their business. And that's really where I shine. And it's where I need to put most of my attention right now. So yes, I've been scaling back on shooting full-time weddings. Uh, I've been shooting less and less and I've definitely been going and I am full-time business coach now. And I think that's just a beautiful thing. And for me, it's like the evolution of what I do. And I'm always making sure I, I do things that make me happy. And that's the most important thing, right? If you're feeling uninspired in your business, you need to change and you need to change your goals and you need to align yourself so you feel confident, you feel fulfilled and creative all the time. And I think it's so important that we get into into that lane. So today's interview is all about money and pricing. Um, Siraj has asked me some deeper questions today about money and our money mindset. And um, I really enjoy talking to Siraj about this stuff. If you didn't know, this month, I actually have a $9 workshop called pricing with purpose. Now you're going to learn a lot from this. This is three days and I wanted to do this because two reasons. One is it's $9 and I and I want you to join my higher ticket coaching courses after I get you some results because people always say like, I'd love to join, but I don't have money. And then so my solution is, well, let me get you some money then. <laughs> so please come and join. It is going to over three days and it's going to be a lot of fun and it's going to be live so you can ask questions and I want to step you through the process of working at all the things in your business from money mindset to how do you approach a situation when someone's asking for a discount to working out your taxes, working out if you should be paying yourself, working out your services, what your pricing should be, how to determine the market and how to price your stuff so you book your dream clients and it's so important. So if you head over to my website, jialong.co, you're going to see all the information right there. Seriously, join this thing. You can't afford not to. There will be a replay but I've made it accessible to everybody and I'd love for you to be there. Join that Facebook group and, and if you ever had any questions about pricing, I don't care if you make 50000 a year or 500000 a year you're going to learn something. So that's really, really, really exciting. Other than that, I hope you enjoyed this interview and this slightly different podcast episode today. And um, I know there's a lot of value. And so if you do love it, definitely share it on Instagram at jialong.co and you can tag myself and Suraj. And um, yeah, love to hear from you guys. Talk to you soon. the most basic question here and it might seem vague it might seem broad but i think for you it might be actually specific Mm. what is money 
It's an exchange of currency. It's actually a token of exchange of currency. So money is just a, a counter. So it counts the amount of value something's worth or that you're worth or things like that. So it, it keeps tab, basically. It keeps tab? Yeah, it keeps tab. So like, for instance, if I went out and I exchanged eight hours worth of my physical labor mm-hmm. today, then you can exchange tokens and that keeps tab of how much that my time was worth. And so then with that, I can exchange it for other goods. So I can go buy a loaf of bread or something like that and, and divvy it up. So basically all it is, it's just, it's just like counting beans, basically. Exactly the same. Yeah. So if it's, if it's that, why do you think there's such a big um, problem around it, a struggle? Why does that struggle and why do bad relationships with money, like why does that exist? Does that make sense? Man, I think this is a deep question and I, and I think it's bigger than what many of us would ever even like to believe. You know, like I'm into my conspiracy theories and things, but this is not that. This is, um, we have been taught to have a bad relationship with money. Like imagine anything in your life right now. Um, imagine writing, for instance, and no school's ever taught how to write. And then they didn't teach basic English. They didn't teach grammar. They didn't teach, you know, how to piece together a sentence or a paragraph or what any of that is. Then after school, it'll be very hard for you to understand and it'd be like a, You'd feel guilty about it because you don't know it, but it would also, as a whole population, it as it's not part of like your upbringing, it'd be really hard for you to to be empowered to know how to do it or to know what it is, and then it would own you because if you don't know, then it's best to sort of not ask questions because you feel embarrassed because you know there's so many things that come up with it, and other people don't want to talk about it because they don't know as well. So I think because they purposely don't teach us from a young age, no one does. Our parents don't. Their parents didn't. Schooling system definitely doesn't. Um, I think it's really interesting that we could think any different about money, you know? And that's why, like, of course we struggle with money because we get taught by our employers and our teachers to go get a job, work, and then you get a paycheck, don't say anything. And then if you ever want anything, but get a credit card so you can work harder. You know what I mean? And so you're saying that like these relationships with money, um, you know, a lot of them are scarred and kind of like it's almost like traumatic sort of mm. uh, thing. Where do you think that comes from? You, you're saying that there's like an embarrassment around money and there's, you know, all of these things that you were just saying. Man, there's um, throughout history, for some reason, we've always blamed a lot of our problems on money. If you go travel like a lot of third world countries and stuff, you can see like a lot of happiness doesn't depend on money. Mm. And you see there's a lot more like bartering. There's a lot more community. There's a lot more like looking after different families and things like that. And I think in the Western culture, it's very much dependent on money. Like it's what kind of car do you drive? What kind of watch do you have? Mm, How nice are your clothes? Because it's dependent on your happiness. I think a lot of us, we could have unhappy childhoods or there could have been fights in our family and there could be a lot of tension and there's a lot of jealousy and stuff because we're measuring it with these counting beans that it shouldn't be measuring happiness, basically. But why is it linked to happiness, though? Do you know what I mean? Like, why do, do we link it to happiness? Are you saying that it's because of, like, societal kind of pressures and um, the fact that we treat it in such a way like a... I, I don't think it's linked to happiness, but I think it's linked to unhappiness. <laughs> so I think it's um, like, I don't think you'll get money and you get happy, but I think you know the unhappiness it brings when you can't pay your rent and you get kicked out and when your mm. parents fight because they didn't have money and because you didn't have the, the cool clothes or the cool 
toys at school because your parents couldn't afford it. So you know all the unhappiness that it brings. And you don't actually know the happiness. It's just that we like to tell ourselves the story of like, oh, rich people are not happy. But man, I got to tell you, poor people are also not happy. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's, it's actually harder to be happy when you have to put in so much time and energy and attention into surviving compared to someone that's just thriving. So I think having less money is going to be easier to be unhappy. Okay. <laughs> is there a way to correct the relationship with money and what effect does that have? I, th- I think it's, um, it's a personal journey for all of us. I think there's a few ways to correct it. Like one is education. I think when you empower yourself, I think for myself, man, I, I went on this massive educational, crazy obsession in my twenties to learn money because I was obsessed of like, one, I don't, I didn't understand how everyone else had money and I didn't like, I just didn't know how that could happen. And I remember I moved into like a a really nice um, neighborhood and we were staying in a really nice house and stuff. And my boss was paying for it for me. So I wasn't paying for it. And I was looking around at everyone else and there's people my age and I'm like, they have nice cars and they have nice things. I make a lot of money and I don't have money. Mm. And so I didn't understand how like wealth came about. Then I realized I didn't understand what money was. Mm. And and then there was just like this miss, this um, disconnect. And because I didn't really go to school, I felt like I missed out. So what I did is I took it upon myself as like, I have to catch up to everyone else because everyone else knows what money is. That's why they've got money and I don't. And what I realized was after my journey of like years of working out what money was and how to make it, how to, how to multiply it, do all that kind of stuff. I realized that no one knows what money is. Mm. Like it literally is when people talk about the 1%, the reason why there's like 1% of people flourish is because they put their attention into it and they understand it. And then so it's easy to understand. It's easy to write a book if you, if you learn English and you learn how to spell and, and yeah. you know, do all that kind of stuff. So it is easy um, to master because when you're just bean counting, it's, it really isn't complex. Yeah. So you're saying now that most people don't know what money is, yeah. which is my first question, right? Yeah. Um, and the way you describe, the way you answered the first question about what money is, most people know that, right? People know that it's just. It's, yeah, they it's a, don't though. Oh, really? That's the thing, man. Is like, there, Is there more So, is there yeah. more to money that you're talking about? Or if you, you just ask, mean... No, but if you just ask anyone, like, what is money? People will tell you different things, but no one disconnects themselves and says it's a bean counter. Mm. Like, no one gets to that level. Because when it gets to that level, it becomes so basic that you no longer have the same value for the money anymore. You've got more value for the time that you exchanged for the money. You know what I mean? You're just okay. like, well, I've got these beans in my hand. And, of course, you value the things you can buy with it, but... Most people, if you ask, like, what is money? People will say, like, oh, it's happiness. It's freedom. It's choices. It's, mm. it's my career. It's my life. It's, it's my house. It's my repayments. It's my credit card. It's unhappiness. It's happiness. It's not that. But they don't say it's just a simple thing that keeps tab of yeah. value. And if they did say that, what does that do psychologically, you reckon? I think it helps them disconnect themselves from what money actually is. Mm. And it stops them from putting it on a pedestal thinking it's worth more than what it is. Yeah. And then they kind of, they're fearless in their approach to it. Yeah. Like I think um, you, you become more fearless with spending it, with letting go with it, with mm. investing it, with making decisions with it. Because you realize like a month, like if you had money, if you have all your beans and you put it in a bank account, like they're going to rot and die. They literally don't do anything. There's no interest. There's no money getting made on it. But most of us, we try and do that, right? If we're like the squirrel with the nuts. We try and like put them all away, mm. <laughs> it, like more than we can even eat. 
And then what do we do with it? Like it doesn't do anything for us. Mm. So money only has value when you put the value on it and buy something. That's why someone will buy, for instance, like a paper clip worth $1,500 mm. because to someone else that $1,500 is worth a lot, but to someone else the paper clip's worth more than $1,500. Mm. So it's almost like subjective. It's 100% subjective. <laughs> money is and the value to everything is subjective to everyone. So if mm. we're sitting here right now, and I said to you, I'm going to buy a house and it's $500,000 and mm. you might go, it's, that's expensive or that's cheap. Mm. And then someone else will go like, oh, I just bought one for 2.5 million. And someone mm. else will say, I just bought one for 200 million. Yeah. And it's hard to even, and a lot of people always say like with their prices, you know, wedding photographers, for instance, always say, I'm too expensive or people can't afford me and I'm feeling, feeling bad about my prices. But what they don't realize is like, that's subjective though. It's too expensive for you maybe, mm. but is it too expensive for you? the person that's trying to spend that much money on photography or mm. on that service yeah. because you're the one making it too expensive for yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That, I think that does make sense because it's like, because, yeah, if I dig deep into like my pricing, like my wedding stuff and that, I believe that the price that I want is too much mm. and therefore I struggle to put it up to that price. Totally. But I know that others like, are making that money, that it's like a very um, reasonable uh, amount, but because in my heart I believe that it's too much, there's this kind of lack of confidence actually. Mm. I feel like if I did have it at that price, that I wouldn't be confident enough to to sell it mm. at that price because I think it's too much. Well, I think it's interesting because when you realize it's subjective, just like art and just like anything mm. else, it, it's no longer like a maths game where it's like that's actually how much that's worth, right? And I think that's really interesting because if you go in to sell anything, if I want to sell anything to someone, it's not about how much I want to charge. It's how much they are willing to pay. So then you change the game. So if I'm looking at you, Suraj, and we're sitting here together and I'm like, hey, man, I want to sell you a course. What's your problems? And then you start telling me and I'm like, well, would you pay $10,000 for that? And you're like, well, no. And would you pay 8000 you know, 6000 And then you're like, okay, yeah, I'll do that for that exchange of value. Mm-hmm. And then I could say like, cool. If I just said $6,000, like maybe you would have thought that was expensive, but now I'm I worked out what you're willing to pay for the services. So I reverse engineered hmm. like the product, if that makes sense, or, yeah. or the actual um, exchange. So I, if for me, man, like, I mean, that course could be $100 or $6,000 and people all in between are going to, everyone's going to complain it's expensive. No matter if it's $100 or $6,000, yeah. there's always going to be people that hmm. think it's expensive and there's going to be people that think it's cheap. Hmm. So if your dollar is exactly what it's worth, how can that ever happen? Yeah. now it's so interesting because your course for example it's like it's around the two thousand dollar mark and i remember like for me that's that was expensive i'd never pay two grand Mm. you know to pay for anything like a hundred bucks for me i've said this before to you 150 dollars for me for a course was like a lot 350 500 there are some courses that are 500 bucks Mm. from people that are freaking experts man and i just feel like oh that's too much but for some reason yeah your course for two thousand dollars I, I bought, I don't know why, I can't remember how, <laughs> it's all a blur, but I bought into it. And that's what I was talking about today when I sent you that the video, when you spoke about money and you spoke about like the price of a dish, you put it into perspective, you put things into perspective, like a, a dish that you pay $19 for isn't really expensive, whereas I've always considered $19 for a dish to be expensive. Mm. 
And you mentioned something about that. Can you? Yeah, it's that? it's like really interesting because we can think things are expensive, and, and we usually sit there and we complain about things being expensive. Um, a good example of this, and I always think about the exchange of energy that we have with the money, right? And if you got money, it's your obligation to make sure you spend the money because you want it out and giving opportunities to people. So, for instance, like, um, and sorry to throw you under the bus here, Morgan, but Morgan and I. Like I have a belief of like, I'll get Uber Eats for lunch. And Morgan's like, I would never pay for Uber Eats. Like I'll go and walk <laughs> down to the shop. But when I think about it, if he's walking to the shop, that's a half an hour walk for the price of $5 to go get the food. And I think about that, I'm like, five, a half an hour, I can get a lot of work done and I can give someone $5 to pedal their bike out to me. And then they have a job and then it's a win-win situation. And so I literally think about the person that's delivering it. And I'm like, is that fair? That someone's riding mm. a bike out to me to make me have an extra half an hour of my day for $5. And I'm like, man, that is such a cheap deal. Yeah. Like I can't believe how cheap it is. And when I think about it, when someone complains how expensive delivery is, I'm like, it's so cheap though. Mm. You know, I don't even have to get out and walk around. So with a meal, if I go in and get a meal, man, and, and then like I, like I don't care if it's, you know, if it's $5 or $50, I never complain thinking it's expensive because I think about the chef that had to do an apprenticeship and he had to hustle his way up, the person that had to get a loan out to get the building, buy all the cutlery, the staff that had to wait on me, the staff that has to clean up after me, the food that had to get farmed in Brazil and Mexico and Norway and all around the world. And then that gets shipped to me, refrigerated all the way. And the list goes on of the amount of people and the amount of resources to get one meal to me. That's $19. And that's all I have to pay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So then it like blows my mind. Like when, if someone, if I'm sitting there and I feel like it's like, um, you gotta have gratitude. Because if I'm sitting there with a bunch of people and uh, when I see people complaining, I see them complaining because they're not thankful for what they have. Mm. Because if, if I'm going like $19, I'm like, thank you for giving me this service to pay you $19 so you could make this food for me. Like, that's incredible. It, you should be charging me 50 because I'm like, that's, you know, and I'll give a tip because I'm like, even if I've got, if I've got no money, like I still feel like that because I'm like, man, this is, and if we're talking about an exchange of value, like I'm getting the better end of the yeah. deal. Yeah, for sure. So many things to talk about, like from what you just said. One of them is gratitude. And I want to go back to that. But what's interesting is the um, the value part of it, where it's someone to like ride their bike or to drive their car to you, drop it off, call you to find out where you are exactly, mm. wait downstairs in the cold for you to just walk down, pick up your food and come back upstairs for five bucks. <laughs> I know, exactly. It's almost laughable because it's like... It is laughable, yes. Well, it is. It's like we. some of us complain that it's too expensive, but it's like laughable of how much you get for it. Yeah. So so changing the way you think about that, like just that, and saying, okay, that's actually, it is cheap. Mm -hmm. What do you think that does to, because you're talking about money being energy and stuff like that. What do you think that does to the energy or to the relationship, that whole thing with, the person and money when they start thinking like that? I think when you understand the value transition, you also can reverse engineer it and you start understanding the value you have. Mm. Because like if I was, for instance, riding the Uber Uber bike to bring the food, I'm like $5, I'm pedaling and I think about <laughs> all, all the work that I'm doing for it. And then I'm like, I think I feel like I should be charging $15 for this, <laughs> you know? And so then I would shy away from having that job and I'll start valuing myself higher. And then I'll start thinking about like, what would it be worth for me to show up somewhere to do whatever it is that I need to do to, for that exchange of the money that I feel like that I deserve, mm. if that makes sense? Yeah. You know, for, and because like, and when I say deserve, I don't mean like I'm entitled, but I'm saying like deserve because I am selling my time. Yeah. 
and my time. And I've said this to Morgan before. It's like, man, you're like, I'm so thankful for all you guys working for me because the exchange is unfair. Mm. I give money, you give time. Time's worth more. It doesn't Mm. matter who you are. The fact that I can buy people's time in my mind blows my mind. Where most people go, they see they see employees as liabilities. Like, look at all these people sitting there. Wow. It's like all this money's going. And I see it's like, look at all these people that are dedicating their time towards a goal, like my common goal. Mm-hmm. And all I have to do is exchange some money. Like that to me blows my mind. Like I, it actually, it makes no sense. And that's why I think um, you got to pay people fairly. And that's why I think it's, it's like as a, an employer, you have so much gratitude for um, having people show up and work for you. Like it's crazy. They, their talents, their university degree, their life experience, then their time away from their family. Mm. And then it's that person to value themselves to say, like, I'm willing to leave my family for 40 hours a week and the commute to make this happen because I believe I'm getting something else in exchange, not just money, but something else. And that's what we want. We want fulfillment in some way. Mm. The gratitude part is so interesting to me, man, because I feel like every person that I know that has money is super grateful and they talk about um, gratitude. And even the people that are on like social media, like, you know, Gary Vee, of course, is always talking about gratitude. And with what you're saying now, I just wanted to ask actually, are you, do you always feel that way towards your employees? Do you always feel gratitude? Do you ever, does that thought ever slip into your mind where you're like, where it's reversed, where they're not putting in the work or where you don't feel grateful, where you feel angry or something like that? Uh, no, I always feel gratitude for sure. And if something is not working, I always take it upon myself as my fault mm. because I'm the leader. And so if someone's not feeling inspired, if someone's feeling undervalued, if someone's not feeling heard, if someone's feeling like whatever it is, I have to put it down to like, well, it's not their fault because if they had purpose and fulfillment and happiness, Mm -hmm. people can, I know people will just work and work and work. I do it. You know what I mean? I bust my ass all the time. Like I'll be in there on Sunday night, just like doing my thing. And I'm not thinking, oh, I need pay rise. Someone should be paying me. I'm thinking, man, I'm making a difference. Mm. That's what I'm thinking, you know? So if I don't bring something else to the table for my business, it can't just be money. Because if I just brought money, you could get a job anywhere doing anything. But the reason why anyone wants to come and work for me is because there might be something else. And it could be association. It could be inspiration, motivation. It could be a new skill. And those things are worth more and so the people that come and work for me usually are seeking out those things. Mm. And so then it's, it's a completely different exchange and it means I don't have to worry about if someone's wasting their time because they're self-motivated, Yeah, you know. Can you talk about gratitude? And gratitude is like the, um, it's pretty incredible because every, everything that we have, every human on the planet, doesn't matter if you're a billionaire or if you're dying of starvation, like, we all have the ability to change our outlook on the world. And I think that's really incredible. And I think the people that let go of hatred or envy, you know, like all those type of mentalities, if you have gratitude, then it's hard to hate. It's hard to do anything else because there's nothing else that can take that space. You've expanded gratitude everywhere, you know? And too many of us, we think, Gratitude needs to be like you need a gratitude journal and you need something big to happen in your life to be Mm. thankful. And not enough of us wake up in the morning and be thankful that we're alive, you know. Like if you woke up every morning, you're like, fuck, 
I'm alive again. Like, this is awesome. You know, my wife's saying that every day, dude, I wake up and I think that. Mm. Like, I'm like, I made it. And then mm. I wake up in the morning, dude, I walk out to this kitchen. I'm like, I get to make food. Look at this beautiful vegan food. It's crazy. You know what I mean? And because, and I used to think I was, I used to th- thought I was really weird because I was like, man, do I think like a kid and one day I'm going to grow up? <laughs> but I still think like that. I still yeah. see like that. Like when I see something, anything that just makes me, you know, a little bit happy, I'm like, fuck, that's amazing. I'm so thankful, Mm. you know, like that brought me some joy in some way. And I think um, the more that you can shift everything towards focusing on what you do love about your life, what you're thankful for or what, you know, like what we actually have, because no matter who we are, we complain about something and we have, you know, there's something that's like holding us back or making us feel you know, crappy or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, if you dive into how privileged you are Mm. and how incredible your life is, like, yeah, it's hard to feel anything else. But we still do, right? We still do, some of us. Yeah, of course. Still do feel other things. Yeah, and like like having like gratitude and stuff, like gratitude is different to happiness as well. You know, you can be thankful and also not happy. And I think um, Mm. it's not about like forcing it. Because if you force it, it's, it's just not going to be that. You're going to be more miserable, you know. Like, fuck, fuck you, Jai, for even saying that, you know. <laughs> but actually having that intention of, like, training yourself to, you know, look at the things that you're thankful for, I think um, you can't really hmm. disingenuinely enjoy that, you know. Yeah. So it is something that you train. Yeah. How one? do you train it? You know, for me, it's, like, all about perspective. Like, it was, um, you know, growing up just, like, Growing up, like housing commission, things like that. Man, like I, I've always had a lot of gratitude, right? So some of my early memories, massively early memories that I just love is like um, like my mum went to buy me a bike uh, one time and we used to get our bikes from the garbage tip and then I'd make my own bikes and that's just how it was. Like, mm-hmm. And I'm not complaining about that. Like I loved those bikes. Like when I scored a good bike, you know, we'd paint the thing, make it awesome. And I remember one day my mum was like, I want to buy you a brand new bike. And I was like, mum, you don't need to do that. Like I've mm. got bikes, lots of them, lots of parts everywhere all over the yard. And she was like, no, we're going to do it. Like we're going to go into town, get this bike. So we went into town and I remember this bike was $100. And this is like in the 90s, yeah, $100 is a lot of money, right? And I remember mum going, oh, okay, so it's $100. She's like, can I get it on a 12-month um, like lay-by payment plan? And the guy's like, yeah, that's fine. She's like, each paycheck I'll come in, I'll drop off $5 or whatever. And so for a year, I was waiting for that bike. And I was like, man, this is amazing. But for a year, I felt so guilty because I seen mum putting in the money and I was like, the bike's not worth it. You know, like I, I'm so thankful that my mum is so happy to do that, but I'm thankful for the bike that I have. Mm. And so I used to think about like how the bike wouldn't bring me any more happiness because I was already so thankful that I had everything. Yeah. And then she did that again when I was 17. Like when I was 17 years old, I think I was turning 18 and she went and bought this really nice guitar put on lay-by for the whole year. I had a job. I, I, like, I didn't want my mum to do that and I didn't accept the present. I wish I did now so I, I still, like, I had it. But I just couldn't do it because it, it didn't bring me happiness seeing my mum, like, stretching herself to make me happy in some mm-hmm. way, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, because I always had that empathy for, like, my parents. They never had money and stuff. I was always thankful for the stuff that I had and I never yeah. wanted anything more. yeah. I was going to ask you if you were always grateful, but that that answers that. Yeah. It's such a bizarre kind of um, abstract concept Mm. that being grateful gets you money, (laughs) increases your your income sort of thing. It's like a metaphysical concept. It's not 
like physically, you, totally. the way to get money is mm. handed over metaphysically. Mm. Um, that's why for me it's such a bizarre concept. Um, but I have seen it. I have seen it in many people. I've seen it in myself. The minute that I become grateful, more money um, comes into my life. Oh, for sure. It is weird. Mm. It's weird though, but it's um, it makes a lot of sense, man. Because if you are an unhappy, ungrateful person, there's not many opportunities going to knock on your door because no one wants to know about it. But when you are like grateful for what you have and you're positive and you attract people, like you're a magnet, you're not just going to attract people. People bring opportunities. Like that's one thing. Like people, like people are money mm. because like without that, there is no money. Right. Yeah. So it's the person that's like, Oh my God, I love this person. Like for instance, like you're a wedding photographer. It's like, I love this person. So that person's the money. Mm. And then they're attracted to you because of your energy that you've put out there and they see that you're genuine. They see that you're stoked on life. And then they're like, I want this person at my wedding. Like I have to have this person. Yeah. Went to Jai's place and he was a dickhead. But you, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so I think um, too many of us forget that. And I think like if you want those opportunities that, you know, dude, every single, and this is crazy, like every single, um, like I know most educators in the wedding photography space that have done big things, right? that a lot of photographers look up to like, Oh, I'd love to spend you know a day with Dan O'Day and a day with, you know, whoever else. But what I've noticed is like over the years, I've hung out with all the top photographers and they are so grateful for everything. And I always think about how the people that have nothing are always, you know, trying to get something and they don't realize what they have, but the grateful people seem to have everything and they just seem to be grateful. Like it's just, comes to them. It's like, how can I, else can I help you? You know, because I want to give more value to the person that's giving value to us. So I think that's really interesting. I watched this documentary once. Um, it's like a UK-based series or a documentary or something. And it's about, uh, about like, um, receiving, just receiving, really. Yeah. <laughs> so it's about, uh, like, a, a group of people, separate individuals. Yeah. And the question that was in question, I guess, was whether... If people um, are, are open to receiving mm-hmm. in general, if they will receive or not, if that makes sense. And so one person, and it's always stuck to my mind, especially compared to the other people. I can't remember the other people. He's the one character that, that really stuck out. And they, he just believed, he was like very skeptical, very negative. He believed that nothing was ever going to come his way. And the show, it's sort of like a, it's sort of like a prank kind of thing where it's not a prank, but it's done in that style where the pe- the producers of the show, they would set up ways um, or things that are being like, offered to him, if that makes sense. So one thing, for example, let's say his name was Paul. Like a van would drive past saying, Paul, you know, this ad is for you and you're going to receive this, just call this number. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't see it. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it's in plain sight. The only thing that you should be looking at, sometimes he's in like a field of grass or something, there's a road, one road, one van, he just doesn't see it. Mm. So the, the things are right in front of him, but he just he couldn't see it. And they were highlighting how his mindset blocked him from, from oh, being for sure, able to man. see that. If you believe that you don't deserve something or it's not for you and you're unlucky and nothing ever happens good for you, like mm. guess what? Nothing ever happens good for you because it happens, but it's not for you because you're not looking. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's it's pretty interesting. Like. And I see this all the time, like with so many different friends as well, not even just for myself, but just friends, like um, a massive opportunity will come our way. And I'm like, look at this opportunity. And then people will destroy it by saying, how much am I getting paid? It's not enough. Like, Mm -hmm. what's this about? And then 
they just don't see the actual opportunity that's in front of them. Yeah. So they might make up an excuse of like, I'm not getting paid enough or like whatever it is. But, and I wanted to talk about this before. It's like, if you work towards your potential and not towards the paycheck, you can always end up with a lot more of everything mm. because your potential, man, like for instance, like if I went and got a job anywhere and someone said, I'll, I'll pay you, you know, um, a hundred dollars per year, like will you take the job? And if I looked at the job and I'm like, well, I'm getting paid a hundred dollars, but I reckon I can actually make a lot more because there's things I can do. I think about it and I know how I can increase my own wages so I could take the job and I guarantee I'll probably be on 200,000 a year because I'll do things like I'll, I'll walk in and I'll, I'll start solving problems. I know what problems are like the thing that gives me money. So imagine if he's paying me a hundred dollars and I'm walking in, I'm not getting paid every day. And then I said, Hey, so I did some research and it turns out if I changed um, your toilet paper supplier and I changed all the globes in the lights and I switched heater manufacturers, you're going to save 300,000 this year. Hey, and if we do it, I can install it all for you. So it won't cost you any labor costs, but let's go harvesting the profit. Like, how does that sound? And then he makes, you know, or she makes um, 150,000 from that deal. And I can make 150,000 from that deal. So all of a sudden I got paid $100 a year. And at the end of it, I end up with 150,000 mm. and one, you know, and $100. Yeah. So it's like, you're not working towards how much you get paid. You're working towards your potential. So my potential is I can, I can find money and make money anywhere where other people, they just don't see the opportunity. They yeah. can't see it, you know. And that's what it's about, right? Because what you did there in that, in that scenario was you just shifted your mindset yeah. and you just saw the same uh, situation just differently. Someone mm. else would be like, mate, no chance, 100 bucks a year, get no, out no, of here. Walk away. Instantly. Yeah. You're looking at the same scenario. You're just changing a little shift in mindset and you're making $150,000 yeah. Can I borrow 5,000 5, from that? <laughs> oh, of course. Hey, like, man, and here's a real cool story that I haven't really shared. I think I've shared a couple of times, so I don't know if you've heard it, but when I was an electrician, um, my boss was paying me, I think it started off $195 a week, and then I went to like $205 or $206 a week, I remember, 206 <laughs> and, um, and I had to pay for my, like, my own study and all that kind of stuff. It was like... Apprenticeship? Yeah. Oh, so this is my apprenticeship, right? And I took a big pay cut to get this. So I was already living out of home. Um, I had a car and I couldn't live on that much. And when he offered me the job and he's like, it's going to be a pay cut. Like, I don't know how you're going to do it. I said, give me the job. I don't care. Right. So I took the job, but because I couldn't afford to leave out of home, like where I was living and stuff, I had to brainstorm up. I need to get another job. So what I did was I applied for the local pizza place so I could be a pizza delivery driver. And um, I remember I went in there and I lied about where I lived. And I lied about, you know, a whole bunch of things to get myself in there. I got myself in there. Actually, I didn't, I didn't think I had a license. Like I didn't have a license yet. Got in there and they didn't ask me any questions. And they're just like, oh yeah, no, you seem like a keen kid. Like, no worries. And so I started delivering these pizzas and I would do it. Every, all the other pizza delivery drivers hated me because they allowed 50, uh, 45 minutes per delivery. And so what people would do is they would get the pizza, they'd drive around to a friend's house and they usually go smoke a joint or something. <laughs> And then they would chill for a bit and then they would go deliver the pizza and then they would drive back and it was always took 40 minutes to deliver a pizza, right? Mm. No matter if it was around the corner or what. And the boss never said anything, but I would get the pizza and I'd be out there, deliver it and I'd be back. And then I'll get another one out there and deliver it and I'll be back. And you got paid commission per pizza. So for me, I was like, man, like pile them up. Yeah. Anyway, you, I got paid barely anything for that job. And I was like, okay, so I've got two full, like two jobs now. 
full-time electrician. I was working like 40 hours, 50 hours a week. Then after work, I had to work this job delivering pizzas. And I was like, I'm still not making enough money to live. So what can I do? And I realized it's like, it's not selling more time. I need to solve more problems. Mm. And this is, you know, when I was like 16 years old, 17 years old, like before I even had, you know, my license really. So what I did was I realized like if I'm driving around delivering things, I could probably in between start answering the phones. And if I answered the phones, I probably could ask if they want me to pick anything up for them. And if they pick anything up, I probably could ask for a tip. And if I'm doing it anyway, I'll probably make a bit more money. Sorry, answering the phone. So like the delivery drivers were allowed to answer the phones to take pizza orders in between delivering if there was no deliveries. So what happened was I would um, run back in and then I would start um, picking up the phones and I'd even let go of some of the other pizzas to the other drivers so I could pick up the phones more. And when I pick up the phone, I'll take their order. I'm like, and I'll make sure I not like say, hey, you're, listen, you're talking to Jai, taking your order. Like, I'm going to look after you, blah, blah, blah. Then at the end of it, I'll Wait, always you'd say, say that. You'd say, I'm looking after you. Yeah, yeah. So, and at <laughs> so the end of it, the customer would say, like, oh, so that's all I want. And I'm like, is there anything else you need? Like, I'm, I'm going past, I can pick you up a beer, I can pick you up cigarettes, I can pick you up milk. And then I remember the first guy's like, yeah, okay, like um, cigarettes and a six pack would be good. And I was like, sweet. And I'm underage. <laughs> and so like I drove through the drive-thru, like hoping, you know, no one was going to say anything. And I was wearing my clothes and I walked in just confidently and got some cigarettes and some alcohol and put it in my car and then drove off. And then I delivered it to him and he gave me a $50 tip. $50 And I was like, $50? I just made so much money in that mm. one hour of, of like delivering that. And then the thing, the light bulb sort of just went off in my head and I was like, I need everyone to ask for me when they, when they order, right? Yeah. So what happened at this pizza place is everyone, like after a while, would pick up the phone and go, hey, we want to order a pizza. Um, is Jaya there? And then the boss was like, why is everyone always asking for you? And I'm like, man, I'm just hustling, right? And they had, a, drug dealing or yeah, they had a leaderboard for tips and I would tell them sometimes the tips that I would get. Um, so my leaderboard was like huge. People were like, $50 tips. No one in the company's ever got that for delivering a yeah. pizza. Anyway, from doing that one thing, it doubled, if not tripled my income and I was selling the same amount of time and I was still mm-hmm. delivering this. Like it didn't take any extra time for me because the milk bar and everything was like right next to the pizza shop anyway. So I was literally grab the pizza, walk over, grab milk, some bread, you know, pack of cigarettes, drive out there. Here's your stuff. Sometimes people wouldn't give me a tip. I wouldn't care. Mm-hmm. I was just waiting for the bigger tips and then made a lot more money. So wow. it's funny because... Yeah, a lot of us, we, we work towards what someone says that we're worth or what we can be paid. But really, if you're willing to brainstorm, like I was, I must be one of the highest paid pizza delivery in the 90s, man. Like yeah. no one was getting paid as much as I was getting paid, you know. Wow, they should have made fat pizza after you. I know. You should have been a that for sure. You know, something you talk about, you mentioned a few times, I've never really understood it. It's the scarcity mindset. Yeah. What, is, what, is actually, what does that actually mean? I mean, something's going to run out. It's, it's like the end of something or there's not enough, you know. So if you have like a full scarcity mindset, it's like there's not enough success for me, not enough money for me. Like someone's already done it. It's, it's not there for me. And so it holds you back because you are always looking at the lack, you know. So if you've got like an abundant mindset, it means there's enough to go around. So scarcity mindset, is a simple analogy is like if we were sitting at a dinner table and one person with a scarcity mindset was like, fuck, I better eat all the pizza before everyone else eats it all because, you know, I'm not going to be full. Mm. But some with an abundant mindset will let everyone eat first because they're like, well, plenty to go around and we can make more and we can buy more, you know, so it's all good. And so with that mentality, the same with anything in life. So someone's trying to grab, grab, take, take, there's not enough, hold, save. 
and there's someone else going like, there's enough and I don't need to save because I can make more. And, and, and that's just like a good way of like explaining it, I guess. That's so interesting. So you're saying that that leads to making more money? Scarcity. No, no, the abundance mindset. Oh, abundance for sure. So the more that you um, pick is it's abundant for you, you know. It might not be abundant for someone else, but, I mean, here's a good point. Like um, when COVID hit and then, and then everyone's like, shit, our businesses are going I'm, and, like, everyone's struggling. I'm like, but I'm not struggling. I don't want to say that, but I'm not struggling. And it's like, why? It's because because I have the abundance that I'm like, there's always enough and there's always more. There's more everywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I never see it's going to run out. I only see that, like, what my problem is, like the scarcity mindset is I don't have enough time. I'm like, man, even right now, I'm like, if I could double the amount of staff that I have before the ideas that I have, I'm like, oh, there's not enough time to make everything happen. I've got yeah. too many ideas. Yeah. There's too much out there for me to grab. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. And it's endless. Like, it's like, fuck. <laughs> How does that make you more money though? Does that make sense? How does that translate into just um, receiving more money? Well, for one, you, you allow it into your life. Like, mm. you're no longer hanging on. Um, for two, you make different decisions. Yeah. So a decision, for instance, like um, some of a mindset that's sitting there and lets everyone else eat first and helps someone else out, the person next to them might say, hey, we should do a deal together. Mm-hmm. And then the other person that's like trying to take everything is like, nah, I'm all good with that, you know, not keen on that. But So, again, it's like another a metaphysical kind of concept yeah. regarding money. Man, the more abundant your mindset is, the richer you'll get because, for instance, if you make $100 and you have a scarcity mindset, you're going to be too scared to lose 100 but someone with an abundant mindset is going to be more eager to make 200. And then when someone makes a thousand dollars, some of a scarcity mindset is going to try and save the thousand where someone with abundant mindset is going to try and double the thousand. Yeah. And then when you get to a million, someone with scarcity mindset is going to save the million. They don't want to lose a million. Yeah. yeah. But someone with an abundant mindset is going to double, triple the million yeah. and it keeps going. So when you have someone like, you know, someone huge like Elon Musk, for instance, where he's got, you know, thousands of employees and thousands of going on, like, it all started by one small idea and it just kept trading his way up because yeah. he had that relationship with money. And the kind of ability to say yes to like investing and yeah. spending yes that money to, opportunities, to make more money you know? and yes to opportunity. Yeah. Because imagine if, if like an opportunity came up and I said, hey, Siraj, if you give me um, $10,000, mm. we could go in business partners and something. And then you might say $10,000 is a lot of money and my family can't afford to lose that. Mm. And then, but if you ask me, I'm like, well, $10,000, like I could make that back, but I gain to lose, I mean, win a lot. Mm. So the upside is huge, yeah. but losing 10000 is not much. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the same with like, with education, it's the same with mm. um, buying gear, I guess. Um, for a long time, I thought, you know, try to find the cheapest, best quality camera. I try to find that kind of balance yeah. instead of saying, no, man, just here's two thousand dollars two two and a half thousand dollars just go buy what you need and start using it to make money yeah. and once i switched that it kind of um it just yeah i was able to go out and comfortably without fear buy what i needed and then use that to make money and i feel like what's happening inside me internally is that i'm losing this sort of anxiousness mm. there's You're this anxiety the that gratitude kills and mm. that um the abundance mindset kills that kind of blocks you from going out and making money, I guess, or from what I'm hearing at least and from what I'm learning from people like you and you know, others, I guess. Oh, totally. So what would you say to for <laughs> others with everything that we've just spoken about? Mm-hmm. What do you think the first step for others 
is towards shifting their mindset and making more money. The need to get out of the black and white and you get into the grey, like too many people with everything, right? It's like my way is the right way. You're vax, you're anti-vax, you're pro-COVID, you're anti-COVID, you're left, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're left, you're right. Like too many of us, we, we get stuck and that's a fixed mindset. Mm. So if you're fixed on like your way is the right way because of whatever reason, and like, and for a good example of this, man, it's like if someone wants to challenge me about like even all my beliefs and stuff, like it's the best thing ever because I'm like, well, I'm open to growth. Like let's evolve this thing, right? I'm not saying my mindset's the best. I'm always mm. working on it, but it's it's like what I welcome in. When mm. most people don't welcome that, they see it's challenge. And it's mm. like, oh, you're challenging my beliefs. So I don't believe in what you believe and I believe you're wrong. Mm. And I think it creates a lot of divide, a lot of hatred um, when it's the unknown. And I think more people need to, step into the gray and realize like, hey, your beliefs on money and on everything on your mindset might not be 100% true and it's time to open up and maybe seek a new mentor or a new coach. And I'm not talking about paid mentors and coaches. I'm talking about someone in your life that is, you've seen do well and ask them like, you know, what, what is it that's changed the game for you? Because you can read quotes on Instagram and all that kind of stuff all day long, but talking to someone that's actually done it, you're going to you're gonna feel their energy and you're going to see the authenticity of them showing up the way that they did. And chances are, talking to those people, they will have a more flexible mindset because they are ready to listen to you and your belief on why it's not happening or why it's wrong or, or like whatever it is. So step into the grey and yeah. not being um, fixed. Yeah. What else? Anything else? To making a lot of money? To to shift their mindset and, of course, yeah, to make more money in order to make more money. If you can shift your mindset, like, like I was saying before, if you can shift it away from trying to make money because people that try to make money don't make money and you, and you shift it towards trying to work towards your potential, like that's mm. huge, man, because you no longer like would ever think about how much is someone going to pay me, you know, per year or something like that. Like there's not even a question. Like for me, it's not even a question. If someone's going to give me a job, I'm like, man, I don't care how much you're going to pay me. I, I know how much I'm going to make because I'm going to work that out. And that means it's my potential. It means I'm not putting a ceiling on myself because the worst thing is like, if you put a ceiling on yourself, you only can make that much money per year. Mm. But when you realize like, well, my potential, I can actually blow that up. Um, it means that you can, there's so many more opportunities for you. And like, to make more money and to and to obviously to become rich, it means like you need to make more than you spend, and so your relationship needs to be completely different. It needs to, you need to let go of your ego. You need to let go of like thinking buying things makes you happy, make um, buying things to fill a void or to show off to someone. And, and like it's not easy. I think even now, like the way I dress, it's like my friend's shirt and stuff like that. And I think um, even now, like people look at me. I actually did a podcast episode and I really hate this title. Someone I, uh, someone interviewed me and then he called me um, a millionaire that dresses like a bum. And that was the, <laughs> that's the name of like the podcasting. I didn't say like, can you change that? Because I'm like, whatever. Mm. But, I, I, but I do think like people judge you. Mm. And I think if that did disturb me, then there's something wrong with my mindset because mm. it's, it's challenged me, right? But when it, if it doesn't disturb me, it's like, well, like I understand where they're coming from, but it you know me dressing like a millionaire is not defying my happiness or me even being a millionaire like mm. it, it means nothing you know i drive around my car that's like rusty that fucking doesn't start and like all the rest of it and it's 
Like I, I see that as like my life is not changed and it's just happy and I don't need those things to validate myself to anybody. And I think that's like, I think that would really help a lot of people out of their mindset, not trying to validate themselves by showing off what they got and what they can do and, and going from there. Any last questions? I got one, yeah, but might not be for the podcast or it could be for the podcast. You've <laughs> known me now for, say, five, six weeks. Yeah. Nothing off limits, man. I don't care if you, even if you feel like you're going to berate me, what would you give advice to me other than everything that you've just said? Because everything that you've said is some is stuff that I can take on board. Mm. But me specifically, mm. what would you say to me? Yeah. Thanks for giving me the um, permission. Like, I think a lot of people don't ever give permission. And so you can never really give feedback to anyone and it's hard to get criticised or... I'm know. getting more nervous yeah. than when we first started. Yeah. No, but no, honestly, like, you, um, I, th- I think, like, you're doing everything right. And, uh, and so it's... There isn't a thing that you need to do because that never helps anybody because mm. everything that we do in our life, it all amounts to something. And the fact that you're on a journey of growth... I think for me what's exciting is I can I can see your future based on your present of how much you want to grow. Mm. And so that gets me excited because it makes me feel like I see your potential and what you have coming for you before you realise it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so that makes me really excited because I feel like you're on the right path. I think um, that's probably why you're there working for me. Like mm. you made your own opportunity. You mm. came in, told me how you're going to solve some problems. And then I was like, well, I can't not give this guy a job because that's just how it is, you know. So I think with that, like um, I like how you always ask some questions and you're always challenging things. I think the people that think for themselves and they challenge what is expected and what's normal, they end up winning the game because you're stepping out of line and you're creating something for yourself. And it's really interesting, man, like all this stuff, and I know this sounds like so wishy-washy, but like people making a lot of money and doing that kind of stuff, it's it's really no mystery. It's really weird that it's no mystery, <laughs> you know, but no one does it. Yeah. And But it comes down to courage. Mm. And so like if there was only one thing I could give you, it was it would be like, man, learn to harbour your courage and self-confidence enough that you will back yourself in something, mm. you know. So you're like, I'll take the leap and I'll do it and I'm backing no matter what. It doesn't matter if I'm going to lose mm. because those people win, man. Like you mm. look at... I'm talking about Elon Musk before, but he had like three companies going at once and rockets blowing up everywhere. And he's still backing himself <laughs> saying like shit's going to happen. He still put all his money in there. right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's so interesting because like someone like him was doing not just one impossible thing, but three impossible things at the same time. It's like, um, how does that happen? It's because he has the resourcefulness, but also the belief system that he was backing himself. It's like, I'm doing this, doing this to the death. And if this doesn't work out, like I'm going to keep doing it. Mm. You know what I mean? And so that courage is going to be the thing that takes you to another level because you'll find that courage and then mixed with some knowledge and then anything's possible. Cool, thank you. Where can everyone find you on Instagram? (laughs) (laughs) They don't want to find me on Instagram, man. That's a dark rabbit hole. Siraj.films. Films. There you go, guys. Thanks, man. Thanks for um, interviewing me and um, having a chat. um, That was fun. Yeah, that was really fun. Thanks, guys.